Well, hey, welcome back to the Making Disciples Everyday podcast. I'm Jason Dukes. I'm on team with Brentwood Baptist and our family of churches. Paul Wilkinson is out this week. He's actually on a planning retreat with some of our staff. And I've got with me today special guest, Brett Freeman. He is our mobilization minister and does an incredible job of encouraging our members and anyone who comes to us saying, tell me about being sent to the nations, what that means, what that's like. And there's more to his job than that, but that's the short synopsis version of it. And um, and so, Brett, I'm so thankful you're here. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit just about you, about who you are, so they can kind of get familiar with us, even how long you've been on team, because it hasn't been super long. So that kind of gives them a read of how long you've been with us and what you're up to. Thank you, Jason. Uh, yeah, my name is Brett Freeman. I've been here at Brentwood for coming up on 10 months now, so still pretty new in this family. Um, still on a pretty steep learning curve, but every day is uh, has been really good and uh, learning things every day, which is a goal of mine. Um, being stretched, but also pouring into other people. Um, now, by background, if I go back to some ancient history, I was uh, an engineer at Boeing and uh, Boeing Aerospace in the military training division down in Huntsville, Alabama for 11 years. My wife, uh, Donna, is a registered nurse, and uh, we have three kids that are now grown and married, but uh, we were all living down in Huntsville and having that great life of uh, just settling into the community and to our church. We got involved in a uh, young adult uh, class, teaching class, and that began to change things for us. Um, it got a hold of us that it's more than just this this walking with Christ or our journey is more than just something you study or you do one day a week. It, it became more intrinsic to who we were in our life. But the real key to that was, for me, there was a group of men that invited me to journey along with them. And we got, we would meet and we would pray on a regular basis once a week, but we did a lot of other things and a lot of other conversations. And that really sort of turned my ship in a way that I didn't know what was happening. Uh, but it led to uh, us ultimately going on the international mission field. Uh, and that was a quite a process for us, about a three year journey and a complete turn in our careers that took me halfway around the world, our whole family, uh, halfway around the world to Kathmandu, Nepal, where we lived for 15 and a half years, then uh, some time back in the States, and then to India for another three and a half years, primarily involved in church planting, but it was very entrepreneurial work. Um, and so there were so many different facets to that. I was teaching at a university, started a couple of companies, um, always looking to say, what is the next thing I'm supposed to learn and how can I pour into some other people? And for me, that, that really is, has become something I wish I could say was intentional, but it just sort of happened that the development of relationship is the way it all happened. I mean, that's what ultimately got us to the field and got us listening enough to even consider this kind of a radical change to take three kids that were at that time, three, five, and eight, halfway around the world to a place we'd never even heard of to do some things that we had no idea what it meant. And had I known, I never would have gotten on the plane in the first place to go these places. But 
it's been a really good journey. We came back to the States uh, a few years ago, back in 15, and uh, went on staff at a church there. It was very clear that it was time for us to be back here, and this was over in the Carolinas, and then I came here from there. So it's been exciting. It continues to be exciting. I don't know what each day is going to hold. Uh, For me, it really is just taking that next step on the path and trusting that God's going to reveal the what that what I need to see when I need to see it. Very cool. So so describe in your words, not my words, because I think I botched it earlier, but describe in your words what you do here so that so that our listeners can better understand exactly what you've been brought here for. I am the missions mobilization minister mm-hmm. and there are four areas uh, of re- primary responsibility. One, the the principal one for my direct involvement is uh, identifying, equipping, sending, and then providing pastoral care and support for missionaries um, sent out by Brentwood to the world, to the nations around the world. So how can we pour into that? How can we help them? How can we encourage them? How can we raise up more people to see that this isn't a specialized job? There are some specialized skills, but if you're a follower of Christ, then you have the primary things you need. Now all you need is the fire to take you there and answer that call and to go and get some equipping. So that's a the principal thing that I do. The other three areas are responsibilities for our mission journeys, um, for our medical dental unit, the things that it's involved in in Middle Tennessee and in this area, and uh, then our local partnerships. Yeah. But I have very capable people that are fantastic in what they do that oversee those three areas. So that frees me up to focus more on this one task of raising up, sending out, and encouraging people to go to the nations. Yeah, and, and go ahead and name those folks too, because I think a lot of our a lot of our listeners may or may not know. I don't know exactly. I don't want to assume. So name those four individuals that that the four specific to the three areas that you just mentioned. So Mission Journeys is Sharon Fairchild mm-hmm. and a fantastic uh, person in planning, equipping, leading, developing leaders for Mission Journeys. Uh, then Amy Fairchild heads up the medical dental unit along with Gary Maddox. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Vicki Howell, heads up the local partnerships in all the different things. And then keeping it all moving is Joellen Taylor, yes. who is our admin person that helps us make sure that we're doing the things that we need to be doing and the ball doesn't get dropped. So I'm glad you said, cause I was about to say, and then the one other team member who's essential to all of those you just mentioned is Joellen. Absolutely. Sure. So, so, so cool, man. I don't know. I, I don't want to assume that our listeners know. So I want to give a couple of examples of the of the people I know. Of, and there's more than this, but I there are two examples I would offer for people that have gone out or been sent out by Brentwood Baptist. One, for example, is uh, this young lady. I won't give her name specifically uh, for security purposes, but in case it is a security issue, I don't know that it is. But one young lady that was a nurse here, but ended up being sent into South Africa, working with one of our partners there, wasn't like she said, I'm now a missionary and I'm no longer a nurse, right? She is using those skills there. Uh, Another would be somebody who maybe did give up part of his career, and that would be David Hanna when he went from here 
as in, he was an attorney, his wife, a nurse practitioner, they went to Bologna, Italy. Now they're back. I say, I say him to say they're, they're back. We, you know, they speak fluent Italian and unfortunately we ended up throwing them into East Nashville. Right. But, but they're where they need to be. And God's called them back here and they're in a unique place in this middle Tennessee culture, but it was really neat. It's always fun to hear their story of how much they miss being over there what that transition was like for them. And I, I give those two examples just so our listeners know it, this isn't just, okay, now I need to stop what I do normally and go to seminary or go get this degree or go blah, blah, blah. And now I'm, now I'm like a monk and I'm going to, it's not about that. It's you no, know, you, like you, right. You in your engineering background, you and the expertise that you had, you didn't just go to Kathmandu and go hide out and become some, you know, missionary obscure. Like you stayed right in the middle even of what you did. And one thing I love about, about Brett's story is you even started the computer science department for Kathmandu University, right? Like, so like help our, our folks know that, that making disciples in the everyday, whether it's in middle Tennessee or it's global, it doesn't mean that you stop doing what you do to do that. It's doing it as you do that in a lot of ways, right? I mean, that's true to who you were and true to true to who some of those other missionaries have been. I think the majority of the time, it's exactly that, that one of the, there are several reasons why maybe God waited to call us to go, or more accurately for us to recognize that we needed to do that. And there was an opportunity to do that and we could do that. But part of that was equipping me as an engineer, as a software engineer that enabled the door to be opened for me to go to a place like Kathmandu University and begin to start this program of computer engineering, computer science in that school, later start a computer training company, and then explore my passions of entrepreneurship and starting a couple of coffee companies and being involved with a Mexican restaurant and some other things, <laughs> and uh, a leadership development company. Um things that I never would have even dreamed of. Sure. But I think for the most part, the skills that you have, the the experiences that are a part of making you who you are, are exactly what you need for that next step. Yeah. And a part of that, if you're making disciples here, then you can make disciples anywhere. Sure. And you should. Um, now, the counter side to that is if you're not doing that here, there's no reason to think you're going to do that going somewhere else. That's right. You need to be having some basic fundamental practices in your life in order to transfer those somewhere else. But your experiences absolutely feed into the direction and the places that you can have the most impact for the gospel, for the kingdom. Yeah, and 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 that's why just to be clear, that's why the emphasis on disciple making in the everyday for each of us as followers of Jesus is, is the heart here. It's not, okay, now we need so many people to be called out as missionaries and pastors. Really the only way we'll even have some certain people who become an equipper pastor or who go and engage in more of a strategic apostolic way as a missionary, like a leader of missionaries, so to speak, or disciple makers right? Is if you become a disciple maker, right? And that's what our hope is. We want you to be a disciple maker here and even among the nations who live here, regardless of what their background is. If, and then God may send some to the nations elsewhere. And that's what we do pray and hope for uh, because we know that that's needed, right? So talk to us a little bit about what, how would you encourage our folks 
who are here, right? Right now, it's not on their radar to go somewhere else. But even based on the experiences that you and Donna had, how would you encourage our folks here? A couple ways that you would say to them, hey, have you thought about this or a mentality that they should have or a practice that they should have when it comes to just being an everyday disciple maker? I would ask a couple of questions of of someone that uh, came to me and said, you know, what what are next steps for me? I would say, what are you already doing? How are you personally being discipled? And then what are you passing on to to other people? And who are who is that that you are attempting to disciple along? And it doesn't mean you have some fantastic deep degree and you understand theology. No, I, if I've learned something, I should be able to transfer that to someone else yeah. and to talk about that. And you're ideally suited for that because you've just experienced it. Sure. So you're really passing on experiences. I think that was the model that Jesus gave. He poured into his disciples and led them to pour into other people. And we need to be doing the same thing. So the question, first question would be, who are, how are you being discipled? Yeah. Because if you're not, then it's going to be hard for you to feed someone else. And then who is it that you are around that you could pour into as well and disciple? Um, Whether that's in a small group, that's what Donna and I are doing now. We're a part of one of the life groups here. Um, We're not leading it. We're just in it to learn and to be discipled. And then look for opportunities that we can pass on some of that to other people that we come alongside. When I was in the Carolinas, uh, not a part of a, the job that I had, but I had three guys that we got together. We covenanted together to meet once a week and just study different parts of Scripture together, hold each other accountable, which is a key to it as well. I would also ask that question. How are you being held accountable yeah. to what you know you need to be doing? Because yeah. I need that. Because yeah. uh, I you know, what gets checked does get done. Um, and just knowing that and having that high level of trust uh, with these guys meant all the world. It was more about the relationship than what we actually studied yeah. um, or uh, discussed. But that came with it. Yeah, It, it was all and wherever we were are at. We want to see that happen in our own life. And I would encourage that in your own life. Now, that does mean you have to take some action as well. Sure. You have to be seeking it and then discipling people or at least have that desire and then coming to find out how you can be doing that here. Yeah, for sure. And I think what I love about what you're saying is, you know, you, again, this isn't something that they add on necessarily, but that they simply become purposeful, that we all become purposeful in what we are doing. What's, what's our, as you are going, right? If the great commission says, as you're going, make disciples, you know, what is our as you're going? What is that that element of the as you go for each of us? And how are we being purposeful in it? And I love what you said about it's almost like you become more mindful of seeing someone else welcome you, having the chance to pour into someone else, right? Because you've got others around you that are pouring into you and you're pouring into them and you've got that relationship around Jesus, and now how do I go and share that with someone else? And it can be a simple thing. One of these guys over in the Carolinas in this group wanted to meet more of his neighbors, wanted to be a little more intentional about living life, but had gotten into the habit of just coming home, pulling in the garage, shut the garage door, hang out inside or on the back deck. And I just challenged him to, because he had a little portable fire pit, put it out in the driveway in the summer, start a fire up and have some marshmallows there when your neighbors walk by and look at you 
invite them over to have a conversation about life. Because that's where it starts, is just around life. You start to identify and share your personal needs, whatever they are, and then reach into their lives, draw them in to whether you ever get the chance to actually lead someone to Christ or not. That should not preclude you from reaching out and embracing them as neighbors and friends and getting to know who they are and what they believe and then sharing who you are and what you believe. Yeah, that's great. I mean, loving your neighbor, right, is the paramount element. And it's it's only in that action and environment that we even possibly could earn the trust to give the gospel to someone else. Any stories you'd be willing to share as you think back even on your experiences, whether it's been here or in the Carolinas or in Kathmandu, you know, or wherever, and any experiences or a couple stories that you and Donna maybe walked through, got to see God do something unique in making a disciple or in a gospel conversation that you had, any that you would share that you think would just be good encouragements to the, the folks that are listening? Uh, a couple of things. One, there we had a young lady, and again, I won't share her name, but she'd come out to uh, Kathmandu to work alongside us. She thought she wanted to be involved directly in church planting, but had not done that on this side. So I'm not sure why she would have expected to just be able to jump into that there and that she would love it. I think she really thought that God would just change that for her. And not that that can't happen, but she was very discouraged after just a couple of months. She had done some language time and her background was interior design. Hmm. And she was feeling, you know, inadequate and under-equipped and couldn't use her passion. And she was on her way, and I didn't find this out till started talking to her about this, back from a travel agent with a ticket to go home. She was supposed to be with us for two to three years. Two months in, she's ready to leave and has a ticket in hand. Wow. Normally, I take people's passport when they first arrive, and I just hold on to it for about six months so they don't just leave without talking to me. But I had not done that with her. Um, So she was coming by to just out of courtesy to let us know, hey, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm heading back. It was a mistake. And I just started talking to her about the why behind it. And she explained some of the things that were going on. And I said, well, it's funny you should say what you're saying right now about not being able to use your gifts. I just had a conversation yesterday with a national that bought the coffee shop, one of the coffee shops that we helped start. And they, she is really struggling with how to decorate it so that it will be attractional for people to come and and hang out there so that her workers and she and other people that are there can have conversation with them and build a relationship. She doesn't have the time, nor does she have the expertise and she was asking me, did I know anyone that might could help her? Wow. Would this be something you would be interested in doing? And while you're there, while you're talking to her, helping her with sort of the customer service side of what she does, because that's also part of your background. She started crying and said, I had no idea this was even possible. Mm. And to me, there were a couple of things going on. One, just a, a reiteration in my own heart and mind, all things are possible with God. But again, who you are and your experiences, God wants to use them, but you got to put yourself out there. I I didn't really know that that was uh, troubling her. I had not asked, but she had not shared. But when she did it and she finished, extended a year. So she ended up with us three years, um, not just doing that work, but that opened the door for her to really plug in 
and to be able to use who she was to do something significant with a, a direct need. Now, another story, this is more just uh, the work. We talk about persons of peace. We talk about trying to find, uh, how do you find these people? You know, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72, look for those houses of peace. Mm -hmm. Well, you, walking down the street, you don't just see somebody and say, oh, you're a person of peace. I found that I had to actually go where people were, make myself known. Mm -hmm. And most of the time that was a temple, either a Hindu temple or a Buddhist or even a mosque. And I just go in and ask some questions about what they believe and look for opportunity to share just a little bit about yeah. what I believe. And, you know, we have a dialogue, but 20 or 30 other people are listening in. Yeah. And so when I'm done, after an hour or two and we drink some tea, I get up and I don't right away leave. I hang out. Yeah. Someone comes up and said, you said something. Can we talk? Hmm. That's the person I'm looking for. Yeah. But I, they all look the same to me. Yeah. You know, and... So I want that person to know I have answers to some of his questions. Yeah. But I got to put myself out there. Yeah. And I love I love hearing that. I hope I hope two things. One, I hope what what our listeners are hearing is on the first story, I, I hope you listeners, I hope you're encouraged that the very things God's do, doing in you and the experiences you've had are most likely what God's Spirit is going to use to connect with other people. We said that a couple podcast episodes ago when we were talking about the significance of your own story, right? You may not have the most dramatic story of what how God broke into your life and the things you were freed from and all of that. You may not have a dramatic story like that, but the very ways that God's using you and the and the the very experiences that you've had are exactly what God typically uses to connect with someone who needs just that. I think that's what's so cool to me about whether you're in Kathmandu or you're in Brentwood or you're in East Nashville or you're in Spring Hill or Nolansville or Bellevue or wherever here in Middle Tennessee or around the world, that God takes these things that have been in each of our backgrounds and, like you said, that person of peace connects us with someone who yeah. welcomes us and then, and then we are able to use, he uses the very thing that was in our background and uses it because it does connect with that person who welcomes us. And it's just uncanny how often that happens. I mean, I feel like I hear it over and over and over again from people who would go from, I was just kind of scared to put myself out there. And then I saw God use exactly who I was, right? And connect it with someone else. And so in that first story, I think that's significant. But in that second one, I hope what our listeners heard is you do have to put yourself out there, right? Like you do have to say, I'm going to have this mentality, right? So, so whether you're in Kathmandu or Brentwood, again, it's that mentality of Jesus, I want to make a disciple with you. I want to engage by being a life giver. You said you came to give abundant life. Jesus, help me to be a life giver with you right here where I am right? How, how does that work? And so you put yourself out there. You're more aware of who's around you. You said it, right? You love the people that are around you in the marketplace, that are around you in your neighborhood, that are around you where you recreate and so on, maybe where you go to school, right? And you, as you love them and encourage them and you're intentional about being a life giver into people, some people welcome you further into their life. And that's what you begin to pray for and look for. And you don't just, they're not a project, right? You, that's right. You genuinely become a friend 
to them. And in that friendship, you translate this abundant life in Christ, good news to them. And it won't be everybody. Yeah. It's going to be a small group. Because That's right. those are the ones that God has positioned you to come alongside. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm talking to 40 people and it's only two. Yeah. You know, but that's great. Those yeah. are the two I'm supposed to find. That's exactly right. Yeah. Last, I was doing a training uh, recently on the Av South campus. And one of the questions in the Q&A time was, so what do I do with the person that just seems like they're not welcoming a gospel conversation? And, and, and it was interesting because I, I didn't expect them to be surprised by my response, but it almost felt like they were a little bit surprised by the simplicity and the encouragement that I gave, which was, well, you just simply keep being a friend to them and loving them. They may never welcome it. So in other words, you don't force it, right? Right. Because if anything, forcing it probably drives them away. Yeah, it becomes an artificial thing. They will see it as artificial whether you mean it that way or not. Exactly. But if you, if it's someone that's not welcoming that conversation or that opportunity to really discover who Jesus is or wants to go deeper in this spiritual conversation with you, if that's the case, you just keep inviting them along and opening your life to them. And if they open their life to you more than just, I like hanging out and watching football or more than just it's fun to hang out at your fire pit and eat a s'more, right? Or, or whatever. What, you know, there may be some very, very, very shallow ways that they're welcoming you into their life and you're welcoming them. And, but you just keep doing that. Yep. And, and you love well. And so I think it was funny. I think the person you asked it was a little surprised that that, that was the simple answer, right? Like you don't force it. You know, but, but I think, I think, I think what I keep hearing the more I'm with our members across our campuses is they hear this 500,000 gospel conversations idea that we're pushing and the disciples making disciples 10,000 times over and that kind of thing. And it's almost like we forget how many of us there are across our campuses and how that can translate into some very simple numbers um, that are actually doable. They're life, they're more life, right? They don't sound as grand as Mm -hmm. the big number. And, and, and so I think what I want to encourage you with, if you're listening out there is this isn't about you getting the hundred conversations, this thing, it's about maybe that one, right? Like you just said, it's maybe that one person that of all the people you've become or at least try to be an encourager to, whether it's a neighbor, a coworker, a classmate, or someone that you are at the gym with, or on a soccer league with your kids with, or whatever, wherever you are. You're an encourager, you're a life giver, you're wanting to be that the way that Jesus loved, and some people welcome you, some people welcome friendship, then be a friend. That's right. And, yep. and you don't have to force something. You'll see those things come. And it isn't because we're super special. Like that's the one I want to make sure you don't feel the pressure of, oh, I'm not worthy, or maybe I don't live a good enough life. No, 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 no. If you love and encourage you want them not just to see that you're quote unquote living a good life. You even want them to see the ways that you're needing the gospel. Why do you need forgiveness? Why do you need hope? Why do you need um, help when you feel lonely? Why do you need, right? It's the vulnerability too. That's why it's just authentic friendship. And some people welcome that. Some people don't. But it does, that does take some intentionality on your part to look, to bring in those pieces into the conversation. Because you can just be the football friend. Yeah. 
and that's it. It never goes anywhere else. You, but if you look, and if you're looking for the opportunity, you will find ways yeah. to bring in. If it if it's in your life, it's going to spill out. Yeah, as long as you're being intentional. Yeah, and don't make it a task, right? right. Make, make it a simple prayer. Jesus, I know, I know you want to give abundant life to the people that I encounter. Yeah. Open my eyes to see who it is that may be ready for that, that may be at a place in their life. Your spirit has moved or they've they've had other seeds planted in their heart and mind, and, and they're coming to a place where they may just need me to water that, and I will never see the fruit of that, right? Or they may, I may actually get to be a part of seeing someone trust Jesus and become a follower. But regardless of what it is, I'll be that encourager and I'll try to love like you love. And and it's it's that simple. But like you said, it's yep. the intentionality. It's not the, well, yeah, we just hang out and watch NFL Monday night football or whatever, right? It's, it's not just that. It's the intentionality of, I do want to love the people I encounter the way Christ did. That's right. Some of them welcome more than just that encounter. That's right. And that's what you begin to look for intentionally. So some of our people are going to be making disciples here in middle Tennessee. Um, and, and that's going to grow in them and they're going to develop. And all of a sudden they're going to get this itch or this yearning the way you did, the way you and Donna did. And they're going to say, I, I think maybe God's spirit's telling us go do this somewhere else. Right. If that's, if, if this call to the nations or this call to somewhere else on the planet, begins to stir in someone's heart and mind that's listening or someone that's listening knows someone that this is happening with, what's a next step, right? Like you, you're the person on our team that we want them to hang out with at some point. Although most of our campuses have a missions person connect with them and they'll also connect, uh, connect the, you know, that person with Brett too. But what would you say as a good next step? How would you coach them along? Um, reach out, reach out to, to me and you can do that through brentwoodbaptist.com slash nations. And that will get a, a, a notice to me and we'll reach out. We'll have coffee. We'll get together and, and we'll talk about it. And maybe it does make sense that you plug in with one of the campuses. And if you already have that connection, I'll just encourage you along to continue to pursue it. If you don't, maybe we build that bridge, yeah. but it's really just Let's have a conversation and see what's going on. I I get excited about hearing your story, and I want to hear more of them. Yep. Um, whether it actually leads to you getting on a plane to go somewhere, <laughs> or you just take a step next door to your neighbors because they're from South Asia or they're from somewhere else or some other state in the U.S. and they've moved here. That doesn't matter. It's let's have a conversation about what are some things you can do to live a little more intentionally that missional scent lifestyle. That's great. That's great. And if, if you don't feel a calling somewhere else, but you do have a heart for the nations who live here in middle Tennessee, same thing. You can reach out to us. We want to help connect you. Absolutely. We've got folks on, on, on our, in our, on this team that really want to help engage you. all around us yeah. right here. Yeah. You know, it's about people. That's and right. It's about relationship. Yeah. And we're all coming from different places, different stories. It's good. So we all become the nations. Yeah. And I know with this current series going on, you will be my witnesses, um, you know, that just concluded. We, we, we know, we, we hear it preach from the platforms, right? We are to be the people who not only experience Jesus, but invite others along to experience him as well. And that abundant life in Christ. 
And, and so we, we want to do whatever we can to encourage, help you overcome fears, thoughts of worry, and, and whether it's going and living somewhere, whether it's a mission journey, whether it's something local that you want to engage with the nations, or you may say, it isn't just the nations, I just want to love my neighbor well, right? We really are seeking to equip you better in that. So let us know. You can reach out. Um, Paul and I always give our email at the end of these, and that's jdukes at brentwoodbaptist.com or pwilkinson at brentwoodbaptist.com. And you can give us feedback on the podcast, or you can ask a question about how do I make a disciple better? What's that? What's even a first step? Or what are ways that I can get trained in order to do this? We want you to know that that's available. And that's absolutely. And if you just want to come alongside someone else that's a step ahead of you, we can connect you to them too. Awesome. So any last word, any last thoughts before we wrap here of ways you want to encourage those that are listening to be about disciple making in the everyday? Don't wait for it to happen around you. You've got to take a step. It can only be, it's just one step, but that you, you still have to do it. It's good. Thanks, Jason. It's good. I'm so glad you've been with us, man. And, and I just want to say to you guys, we say it almost every week, you know, prayer isn't just like this token, iconic, spiritual cliche thing, like, like that we want to throw in there. I mean, genuinely pray and say, Jesus, let your prayer be, Jesus, help me. Help me this week. Give me eyes to see a gospel conversation that you're allowing me to take part of, to engage in. Just pray for one, right? I mean, I've, seriously, I've, I can't t- I can't emphasize that enough. Like, don't feel overwhelmed. Like, I've got to have five this next. No, just pray for one, right? And and don't even feel overwhelmed. Like, okay, I do want to be a disciple maker, but I want to make ten disciples. You know, no, no, no. Even the Son of God focused on a few, right? So when He was here, so. Maybe just even pray, Jesus, help me to be a disciple maker with you. Help me to make one disciple with you this next year, Mm -hmm. right? Like make it a simple prayer like that. And I guarantee you, you'll watch God answer that prayer. And I know that because he's already told us, you will be my witnesses and go make disciples, right? So he's already given us those commands and may we be faithful to those. Brett, thanks for being on with me. Thank you. Paul, we missed you. Uh, uh, Again, he's at that retreat with some of our other leaders. And um, if you have feedback, you have questions, I gave you that email. You can send that in. We look forward to hanging with you again next week. And we appreciate you tuning in. So we'll talk to you next week.